Well, good morning, everyone. A very warm welcome to you all. We're going to be jumping straight into our passage today, which can be found in 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. So that's 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12, and then we're going to go through to verse 19. It says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's own household. And if it begins with us, what will become of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, then what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know how you uh, how, how you react to that passage, but it, it might sound a little bit strange, um, mostly because it is. Um, uh, but, you know, the important message here is that we are told to not shy away when people hate us for being followers of Jesus. Notice at the beginning how Peter says, do not be surprised by persecution. In fact, we must expect it. I often say that Jesus is much more peculiar than we would like him to be. We often want him to be exactly the same as us, except with superpowers. <laughs> but he refuses this. And thank goodness, because, you know, obviously he is far bigger than the constraints of my tiny imagination. But the saviour of the world came to earth to be its victim. This is odd. When Jesus told his disciples that he was going to suffer and die, Peter, the guy who later goes on to write the letter that we're reading today, Peter, at the time, he refused to believe it. He said, let it not be so. And Jesus, of course, rebukes him quite sharply and even, you know, says, get behind me, Satan. But you know, I, I resonate with Peter's response there because, you know, I don't want my Messiah to suffer. Surely not. This, this is not what I expect my saviour to look like. But more than this, Jesus doesn't just guarantee that he's going to go on to die, which of course we now know that he did. But he also says that his followers will be persecuted. And like Peter, in this letter, Jesus says that we are blessed when this happens. If you don't believe me, we can have a look at Luke chapter 6. Um, in verse 22 and 23, Jesus says this. He says, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Or in other words, because of me. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Because great is your reward in heaven, 
for that is how our ancestors, ancestors treated the prophets. So we find a peculiar kind of joy when we lean into that kind of persecution. Um, and of course, that, that sort of joy can only possibly come from God. It can't come from us. It can only come from God because it is that odd. It is that, you know, paradoxical. In our flesh, all we want to do is resist weakness, resist suffering, and instead we want to pursue power and influence. But Jesus does the exact opposite. Jesus rejects power and instead he pursues weakness and he lays down his life for the sake of others. It's precisely because Jesus chose to be weak and humble and suffer on a cross that he's now got power and sits at the right hand of God. And he loved the people that he suffered for. As he was dying, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And we, of course, are called to do the same. I've um, I've been quite ill recently, and um, I had to spend a short time in hospital. And um, there was a, a moment when I was I was lying in this hospital bed, and I was reminded of of a story that I've heard quite recently um, of a hospital chaplain based in London. And basically, he goes through the wards, as I assume most chaplains do in hospitals. But he goes through the wards and he talks to people, um, you know, in the beds if they want to have a chat. He's just available for anyone who wants. Um, to make use of him and there was this one particular ward that he was um, he was walking through and he used to go through it really often and there was a man in bed who was very 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 ill and he'd been there for a long time and this man basically would give him the two fingers every time every time the chaplain walked past and he'd follow him round and give him the two fingers um, as, as, as the chaplain walked past and you know it's I know that there's extraordinary persecution of Christians all around the world, so this, this does seem like quite a minor thing, but I think, you know, this, this happened again and again and again, and it's such a small example, but, you know, if this is happening every single day, over and over and over and over again, surely that must have gotten to the chaplain's heart at some point, you know? But of course he would just smile, and that's all you can really do um, in those circumstances. But one day, it wasn't a special day, it was a day like any other, but the chaplain's walking through that ward and he sees that man in the bed and instead of putting up his hand, he instead actually beckons for the chaplain to come over and he says, you know, come here. And the chaplain's like, oh goodness, here we go. And actually, in this moment, the man says, hey, listen, I know I've been a bit rude, but could you tell me a bit about that collar thing that you wear? and maybe also a bit about what you believe. And of course, the chaplain just sits down next to him, full of grace, and he talks to him about Jesus. He talks to him about how, you know, God came in human flesh to, to, um, to, to die on a cross and to, to take the punishment for our sins so that we may be forgiven. And, um, and so he talks about forgiveness, he talks about grace, and he talks about how you can have a relationship with God because of that act. And, 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 he, and he finished, and it was a very short talk, very simple, very basic stuff. And he basically said at the end, listen, you know, you can pray. You can pray to this God. And the guy's kind of like, well, I don't know how to pray. Um, and so the chaplain, what he did was he got off his chair 
and he sort of moves the chair closer to the bed and he says okay I want you to picture Jesus is sitting in that chair and the chaplain kind of takes a step back and so they're focusing on the chair and he says Jesus is sitting in this chair and he's just loving you he's permanently loving you and you can talk to him you can say whatever you like just imagine he's there and he's loving you so what would you say and the guy's kind of like I guess I'd say I'm a bit scared because what well, the chaplain says great you know that's very honest what else would you say he's a very fragile man very broken man he's very ill and he says well I guess I'd say I've effed up my life and I'm sorry the chaplain's like, well, that, that's honest. It's <laughs> good. What else would you say? And the man says, I, I don't know. And that was fine. The chaplain says, that's absolutely fine. You can sit in silence if you like. Just remember that he loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. He died for you. He loves you. Like, I thanked him and said, I can see why you're a vicar. <laughs> Um, and the chaplain um, moved on. A few days later, that same chaplain went through that same ward and, and was looking out for this man, but he noticed that the bed was empty. And he asked the nurses, he said, you know, where, where is he? Has he moved to another ward? Can I go see him? And the nurses, unfortunately, had to break the news to him that this man had died two days after the chaplain had visited that bed. And of course the chaplain was very sad, but the nurses were kind of saying, well, cheer up. He was actually in a really good mood after you had that chat with him. Um, you know, that, that Jesus thing you mentioned, like it put him in a really good mood. He was extraordinarily pleased and he, he died very happy. So the chaplain's sort of like, okay, um, you know, hopefully it went in. That's good, I guess. And he, he thanked the nurses and he, and he moved on. And, and as he's walking through to um, on, on his way to another ward, one of the nurses came running after him, chased him down and said, listen, this is so weird. I, I don't know why I'm telling you this. It's really, really weird. But basically, you have to know this. When we found this man dead, he was in a really strange position. And, and basically what happened was when the man, when they found him in the morning, um, he wasn't fully in his bed, he was leaning out of his bed, so his, his, his legs and his hips were still in the bed, but he was leaning out and his torso and his chest were literally physically on the chair. He had collapsed onto this chair and he had his arms through the like those armhole things and, 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 and was embracing the chair. So he literally died in an embrace with that chair. And the chaplain said, good. Because he got it. He died knowing he was loved by Jesus and he died pursuing, well, he, he died looking for a relationship with Jesus. Why do I tell that story? Well, personally, I feel like the world's just been giving us the two fingers for a while. I just, you know, it just feels like every time I share my faith, you know, people just don't like it. People, 
I don't know, I, I personally have experienced a lot of hostility for being a Christian, not only in my family, but also in the academic world. And I know that I'm not called to shy away from that kind of hostility. Jesus had this and he had so much worse and so did the early church, but he lent into it. And I know that there's extraordinary persecution in so many nations and, and around the world, even today. And I'd love to go into that in more detail, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to focus on our situation. Um, but we we are told that we Christianity has been accused of being irrational. That kind of came about after the Second World War mostly. And then sort of around the 70s, 80s and 90s, we started to be told that we were irrelevant. Um, but now we're in a really new season where atheism especially is accusing us of being immoral which is really interesting and 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 part of that is because the church has done wrong like the people or people have done wrong things in the name of Jesus and notice how Peter says to not do that Peter in verse 15 of our passage he says if you suffer it should not be as a consequence of sin instead if you suffer as a Christian don't be ashamed. So it's, it's, it's specifically you should be persecuted for having a faith in Jesus, not for doing wrong. So the, 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 there is an accusation that the, the, Jesus, the, the followers of Jesus have done wrong and some have. And in those instances, we're called to repent and say sorry and, 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 and make amends. Um, but there are more often than not many other times when actually it's actually a question of defining right and wrong differently where the world wants to take the definition of right and wrong into its own hands a bit like Adam and Eve um, whereas we are called to submit to a higher power and to submit to what God says about what's right and wrong so it's um, it's a difficult space to navigate at the moment but I, I tell the story because I feel that we're in a very unique opportunity at the moment with with this COVID crisis and also with lockdown now beginning to lift because while you know people have been so hostile to us about our faith for so long now that we've been in lockdown people have been starting to open up and ask questions and, and they've had time to start thinking about these big questions and think about life and meaning and, and what is all of this about um, I don't know if you know this but Tear Fund the charity did a survey of the UK at the very beginning of lockdown and they found that a quarter of UK adults watched or listened to a religious service um, at the beginning of lockdown, which is amazing. So we've got a, a unique opportunity. The world's been giving us the two fingers like that man in that bed for some time. Um, but now it's starting to go, oh, actually, maybe I want to have a chat. Maybe I want to ask a few questions. And I believe that God's calling us in this time to say to these people, I love you. And, and of course, more importantly, God loves you. So I'm, I'm going to finish here, but I wonder if there's anyone in your life who in the past has been especially difficult to you about your faith. And I, I, I'm, I've got to be careful here. I'm not talking about people of peace. I'm talking about people who've been actively hostile to you because of your faith in Jesus. And like Jesus, we are called to serve these people and to love them especially when they hurt us and when they hate us. But also when it hurts, we are called to draw near to Jesus and find joy in him during these times.